Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Crime at the Family Table. I am one of your hosts, Latanya, and of course, I'm joined here by the unimaginably beautiful, amazing, like fantastic, unscrupulous, magnificent, I can't even figure out the words. They probably don't even come in the English language of Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Uh, I am doing double duty. Mommy today. So if you hear little baby squeals or Miss Rachel, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to distract the littlest one with Miss Rachel. But thank you for that introduction. Right. Listen, uh, anytime, anytime. I, I I love to give a pep talk every time, open the space up to beautiful and uh, positive words of affirmation, affirming you in this time and space. And of course, uh, I cannot let this week go on without mentioning what happened last week was a definite issue. Try meant to post the video on Thursday forgot to post it, was realizing that, okay, I don't see any data for the episode. And then I looked on Sunday and boom, boom, bow, bow, it wasn't posted. So I posted it on Sunday. Sorry, guys. Uh, If you got a few days late, it wasn't a Spotify or wherever you listen to podcast issue. It was a LaTanya issue. We're humans. We're living our lives. (laughs) humanically i just made that up um <laughs> but y'all know we say we're the little podcast they could so y'all already know <laughs> we are doing the best that we can with what we got um i'm excited to be back the two of us uh thank you everybody for your continued support and your patience with us, really appreciate it. Um, today's episode is going to be shorter because it's just it is just a quick case. Um, but it's still going to be is still very interesting. Um, as I was researching it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is something else," and it's crazy how uh-huh. history repeats itself in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah, and that's what I think these cases keep kind of doing is like they really crack it open is just that time is just it's very relative because it, it seems like we're progressing moving forward but so many things repeat themselves so also uh, before we uh, get into your um episode I wanted to like go over last week episode since you weren't here um to like you know like talk about a few things just briefly because I don't want to hold uh hold this up from getting to your special episode this week so what did you think of last week do you have any questions do you have any thoughts what's going on I feel like you I had just (laughs) I literally just asked them um but obviously our listeners don't know that I actually was before we talked about. It, I was actually curious about the uh, his the process of his sentencing because it did it was like open and shut. It felt like, but of course, that's the nature of 
that time period, him being a black man, unaliving mm-hmm. all these white women. I was like, I know they put him under. As I was listening to the episode, I was like, I know they put him under the jail. Um, listen, they couldn't. They couldn't wait to get him to the gallows. Like a uh, bird was like one of those cases where it was just like. It was very interesting because you really got to see how the justice system has definitely changed. Like, because like even for for example, the trial, like the trial was so fast. Like, I mean, it wasn't six months; it was literally a month change. And then they were literally he was being sentenced. He got sentenced in a few days. Like, it was over and done. <laughs> it was insanity. It is so going decade to decade and seeing how the criminal justice system changed um, Mm -hmm. and seeing the differences between the cases with like uh, with what's the word? Why am I blanking? Not victims, the opposite. Black perpetrators Perpetrators. versus uh, white perpetrators and just seeing the difference that the justice system plays and uh, how they're viewed in the media and how um like the public looks at them and all these things it's just mm. been very very interesting and it's it's just like i said it's just interesting and it's a shame how history tends to repeat itself throughout these decades some things i'm like mm-hmm. this is mm. this is crazy this happened in the 60s this is crazy this happened in the 90s and it was still happening so but his his case just the fact that he the biggest thing that stood out to me was like i was like this is a black man in the 40s murdering un sorry unaliving white women um and he got away with it for a nice little bit yeah i think what definitely helped him was that transient lifestyle like i talked about how back in the day de- like back in the day like they didn't have the databases to to cross check stuff like nowadays like agencies could contact each other like literally there's a database I forgot what it's called um where basically if you could put a type of crime into this database and like police officers and detectives use it and they can basically look and see if there are crimes that are similar going on they can check for similarities. Like I remember there was a different type of case and it was just involving somebody that was doing different scams and stuff like that. So this officer looked up like, oh, well, uh, stealing this amount of money, using this type of scam, uh, this is how much money, this is what he tends to look like around the age range. And they were able to kind of get a feel for what was going on. Um, and if other victims were like that across state lines, but that just didn't exist. So they really had to use, like, honestly, if the police were 10 minutes late, he would have got away with that. It's just, I also pictured like, because I've been watching old, um, not old shows, but like period pieces, like movies are set in a certain time frame. And it's so interesting to see the detective work and how it's depicted. And sometimes I'm not going to lie, I'm like, it seemed like the simplistic, like, because they didn't have stuff like dusting for fingerprints for real. I mean, they dusted for fingerprints and stuff like that. They didn't have DNA. They didn't have half the advances that we have now. And they were solving these crimes just by good detective work. So right. some 
some of these cases, I'd be like, I'm impressed. And it's always yeah. like the skin of their teeth they're solving this crime. Right. And I think that like something that I think even modern times, and I think that that's like is a big contribution of the CSI effect that we have in the media now is that we believe that crimes can only legitimately be solved through DNA. But in the reality is throughout history, majority, like even modern history, modern times, prior to day, most crimes are not solved through DNA. Mm -hmm. Like DNA can be damaged, cross DNA exists. Like, so certain things just make it impossible for that to happen. Also, this shit costs money. So if you in a small town that doesn't have as much money as I think a Philadelphia, these crimes are going to go a long time without being solved. And I think that a lot of our modern media leads us to believe that we've advanced so far that crimes are solved very fast, but they're not because they like we believe like, oh, they have the ability to do DNA, but somebody has to pay for that DNA. The taxpayers. And that takes a long time. There are some parent families that have to literally raise money to get tests done for their family members for cases to be solved. Which is ridiculous because what are our tax money going to? Because uh, some officers literally refuse. Like, it's, it's crazy. And so I think, like I said, had Bird literally 10 minutes, like, if the officers were 10 minutes later, like, because I don't know how far, because they never mentioned how far away the police station that they were at was from the house. But like just ten, five minutes even, he could have gotten away with it easily, and been on his way on the on a train tracks on back to another town to terrorize them because that has literally been his mo. Never to be heard from again. Nope, and, and leaving a trail of bodies in his wake, and it's the fact that he is suspected of forty five murders, but he was only able to be semi-proven that it was him for 11 of them well 12 and i'm just like that's a lot of people that is a lot of people across states illinois kansas like louisiana like he's been murdering for a long time and he's like he's like he's a crime of opportunity person like he doesn't like the weapon is there. Like he, the weapon is at the person. He doesn't bring a weapon with him. So Bert was definitely like he took that X from the shed. So like he just it it was wild because nowadays that would like less likely be happening because somebody would want to take whatever they use with them. But he was just like fuck it, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave this here. So what if they can dust for fingerprints? I'll be long gone. What fingerprints? Is, like they have nobody to compare it to. Of the say, there's no Dyfus. I think it's Dyfus. Yeah, yeah. Like they have, and right, and there's nobody to compare it to, like to analyze it. Like you would have to actually have the person who you believe is a suspect and compare those those fingerprints. You don't compare them amongst other fingerprints because that just takes too much time. I'm sorry, y'all. My one-year-old is over here making fart sounds. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just need a little fart sound. She's learning. To, <laughs> she's learning to talk, and she just really started walking today. So she's. It seems like her personality is developing like overnight. It's crazy, but 
we she might have something to say at the end um listen she might have some opinions some thoughts but yeah like i honestly like i think like and as to this last little second like of the case i think that a huge advantage that bird had was just the time of technology but also the fact that when you like living a transient lifestyle it it was just not it's not it's uh, it's hard to catch him because he has no one place he's staying and even nowadays like you really can't really live 100% transient life on somebody has caught you on a phone camera on on a camera on the road like somebody has caught you like it's very difficult and so yeah like it and another thing like I think we brought up real quick is that like he was killing like he killed two white women and that is something that was definitely pushed by his transient lifestyle because generally most murderers kill within their racial demographic and I think that him killing white women was simply just a crime of opportunity because he was just going into these houses and he never really like paid attention to the fact that he might like that these are white people in these houses or if he did probably from knowing the towns he was in if they were white towns like I guess it was more likely but that probably was push forward more again by his transient lifestyle is the fact that he's just going where the money resides where the so, money yeah where the money resides I'm sorry I, I'm sorry y'all like I know I, I, I can't get through these cases sometimes without doing a little a little ditty because it's it's a lot like this stuff is crazy and bird I know is burning in hell right now um but he literally tried his might. Like this man, even in modern times, like bro, you have blood all over your clothes with brain matter all over your clothes. Did you really fucking be so fucking for real? <sighs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> and delusion. And the Lulu land. Um Yeah. The, the further back in time we get in these cases, I get more and more like, hmm, like more, more, it gets crimier and crimier. <laughs> that right. makes any sense. Uh-huh. Um, but today's case, although short, is definitely interesting. Um, when I was reading it, I was like, huh, like I, whatever the word for, huh. Is like I, yeah. I also felt a little bit like Nancy Drew, but maybe that's just the time period. <laughs> Might be. I wasn't, yeah, we're gonna figure out where Nancy Drew came about. It was given Colonel Mustard in the like I felt like I was in a in a in in clue. Um mm-hmm. although it was very open and shut, there were still some questions, but Today's episode. I don't even know if there should be a trigger warning. I mean, trigger warning, murder. <laughs> we're we're gonna be talking about someone's unfortunate, untimely death. Death. There will be mention of very briefly the occult. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, like a like a. 
like a, a mixed bag of things. Like we're we're yeah. throwing a lot of things into the into the mix. The pot's getting mixed. We were talking about Native Americans. Um, it's interesting. So this case is the 1930s. In the 1930s, the biggest thing that was going on for real, for real, was the Great Depression. Um, the stock exchange had crashed in 1929. So by 1930, America was in a full-blown depression. It was wartime, um, still coming off the World War and all that jazz. Um, you know, businessmen jumping out of windows and aliving themselves because they didn't have any money. And it's hard to go from rich to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There was a little bit of sarcasm in there, a little bit. Sorry, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that's what was going on. Food, there was like a food shortages happening. Um, just people really just trying to get by, and you know there was rationing happening. Um, everything was businesses were suffering. People couldn't feed their kids. People couldn't feed themselves. Um. The economy had completely tanked. Uh, so this is where we are in this time period. Now the depression affected some more than others. Um, and it kind of depends on, I guess, like also where you lived in America. But this story focuses around the Marchand family. Marchand? I'm not French. I don't know. It's probably not Marchand, but, you know, Americans butcher all of the names. So um. This focuses around the, I feel like it's Marchand. I don't know. Marchand. Marchand. Clotilde. I'm going to butcher this lady's name. I think it's Clotilde. Marchand. Have you ever seen Django? I think that was his wife's name, was Clotilde. Mm. I think. Clotilde? I think so. Clotilde. But it might have pronounced Clotilde. But it was French because I think the white guy who was with Django was like, oh, it's French. Like he made mention of it. Anyway, Clotilde Marchand was the wife of Henri. I know I'm saying that right. Henri Marchand. Uh, Henri was a French artist and a renowned sculptor who studied under the famous famous artist, excuse me, Rodin. And he became a specialist in like dioramas and precision wax modeling. So in the early 1900s, Henri and Clotilde, uh, Clotilde was actually also an artist. They immigrated to the United of the States. Because like I said, they were French. Okay. They came to the United States Henri began working as a diorama artist at the New York State Museum. Because, you know, most people, when they immigrate to the U.S., they were, back then, they were coming over from Ellis Island to New York or whatever. So he worked on the museum's Iroquois dioramas, which is the Iroquois, a Native American tribe, dedicated in 1918. And that earned him, like, some serious recognition. So in 1925, the couple and their family, I believe they have four kids on total, moved to Buffalo, New York, where Henri and his sons, Paul and George, were going to construct dioramas for the Society of Natural Sciences. 
you know, a museum of natural sciences, they always got a diorama set up. Mm-hmm. They love a good diorama. Um, and later, the that museum, the Society of Natural Sciences, will become the Buffalo Museum of Science. I don't know where this came from, but mm-hmm. put over here. Um, though much of the work the Marchands created is no longer on display there. Uh, some can still be seen, particularly in the museum's Hall of Wildflowers. So if you go to the Hall of Wildflowers, you will see some of the work of Henri Marchand and Clotilde Marchand. So here's where the story begins. On March 7th, 1930, Henri and Marchand's youngest son, his name was also Henri, came home from, or, or Henry in, a, in English, came home from school to find his mother. She was like laying across their first floor landing. Um, once he found her, he ran next door to the science museum because they lived next door to the museum to get his father. So at first they thought that her death was because she fell down the steps because, you know, they found her on the landing face down until she had fallen down the steps. But of course, after the autopsy, the medical examiner um, found bloody gashes, the smell of chloroform, and signs of a serious struggle on the body of of uh, Clotilde. Now they make mention several times how tiny and petite she was, um, and mm-hmm. in, there's a picture I found of her. She is she looks like a pretty small woman, like a small petite thin woman. Okay. Um. So make note of that. Police then learned from the neighbors that an Indian woman, Native American, but of course back then she was Indian, had cased the home prior to the murder. So it was an Indian woman looking around uh, before the murder actually took place. So the police were brought in and after they questioned him, they were soon on the trail of one Miss Lila Jimerson age 36, and a woman who turned out to be her friend, impossible accomplice, Nancy Bowen. Nancy was a 68-year-old Seneca tribal healer. So we're we're talking about the Seneca tribe. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. S-E-N-E-C-A. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. Don't get me wrong, though, because like I am horrible at saying names. So she was a tribal healer or like, um, what else would they call them? Like a medicine woman, maybe. Um, and in the course of his work at the museum, making dioramas, uh, Henri Marchand worked closely with the Seneca tribe and he became like, they say intimate friends with Lila Jemerson who modeled for him. Uh-huh. Now, immediately, I thought of Jack from uh, Titanic. Paint me like one of your uh-huh. friends. Uh, so I was uh-huh. like, I was like, was it some nudity? I think it actually was going on. So, you uh-huh. know. Freaky, freaky. That was a little thing happening. Um, so first, Lila was arrested, and then she named Nancy. And all these stories in the, in the later, in the earlier decades, they'd be turning on each other quick, fast, and hurry. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked because 
the option of not turning on somebody is you also having that nice rope around your neck. I mean, or the or the electric chair, baby. Uh, and let's remember, it's the 1930s, and we're talking about natives, like Native Americans, who have historically been treated like trash. Um, uh, but especially during this time, they were still, and they still are on reservations, but like they were on reservations and low-key ostracized from society but um they were still kind of treated like how black people were treated like like oh look at the natives they're they do this you know they have shamans and herbal medicines right. talk to spirits like it was kind of like they're so yeah. so like like not yeah. civilized like, the, like yeah like yeah like uncivilized like they are barbaric like the things that they would attribute to it because failure to assimilate you get those titles if you do not assimilate what they believe is right which is anglo-saxon christianity mm-hmm. you, you, you're the bad guy and all your native practices which no matter how many centuries they probably go beyond what you know it is a mute point and they don't care so you're going to get labeled everything under the sun which put a pen in that we'll get back to that Mm. so uh after she named nancy during the investigation it was learned that lila convinced nancy that mrs marshall was a white witch <laughs> who used her powers to kill Nancy's uh deceased husband. So Charlie Bowen had actually her Nancy's husband Charlie, aka Sassafras Charlie, uh had recently died. Um Sassafras Charlie was actually another healer in the Seneca tribe. So how did they jump to this conclusion, you ask? It's hilarious. It's laughable. Oh my God. <laughs> Over a Ouija board. No, not the Ouija. It's always got to be the Ouija board. Over a Ouija board. Um. Oh, my. Oh, God, of course. So, (laughs) So Nancy was looking for an explanation for Charlie's death because it was sudden. So her and uh, Lila were playing around with the board and they were like, Charlie, who killed you? And apparently Charlie said, they killed me. So they were like, oh my God, who? Who did it? The board spelled out an answer letter by letter and it spelled out Clotilde. Mm, did it spell it out or did they push that thing? You know what? Because... You know, no shade. So... <laughs> And not only did it spell out Clotilde, it added the alleged killer's address on 576 <laughs> Riley Street. Not given GPS coordinates. Come on now. She, my killer is due south on Route set. Like, what? <laughs> Ouija ain't never get no addresses. Right. It's on 52nd and Chestnut. Maybe like, on a on a corner by the poppy store. <laughs> so ghosts know all that. I was like, I can't. Uh, I'm like, that was not that was not Charles. He he was not on the line. <laughs> so 
Lila says she was so like Lila was like, oh my God, I I know a woman with that strange name, Clotilde Marchand. Uh <laughs> the wife funny, of funny you asked. Funny you would say such a thing. <laughs> what? Oh my God. I know that strange name. I know a woman by that name. That's the wife of the guy modeling for. What? Her man, her man, her man. Can we talk about <laughs> So after the seance, Nancy then received several letters signed by a Mrs. Dooley explaining that Clotilde was a witch who had hexed Sassafras Charlie out of jealousy. But her this sounds like the crucibles. This sounds like the crucibles. It was given she's a witch. She's a witch. Hang on. <laughs> she's a I was like, what is happening here? So... <laughs> So basically, her witchcraft didn't work so good. This is this is what this I'm doing air quotes. This is Mrs. Dooley putting these letters to Nancy. Her witchcraft didn't work so good, so she decided to kill him. That's what one letter said. Uh, imagine that's the escalation. Imagine I can't cook this chicken pie pie. You know what? I'm just going to stab my husband. Like what? <laughs> like, what? She was trying to hex him. It didn't work, so I'm just going to kill him. The heck they moving quick enough, baby. I, I mean, I, but the but the body moves quicker. I was like, okay, lady. So Nancy, she started getting convinced that Clotilde killed her husband and that she was next. Mm-hmm. So Nancy went to, so this is when she went to the Marchand's home and knocked on the door. And when Clotilde opened it, Nancy confronted her and accused her in broken English because, you know, I'm, she doesn't speak English of being a witch. Nancy pulled a hammer and beat, you know, she beat her to death, then finished the job by stuffing chloroform soaked paper down her throat. I don't know why that was needed, but okay, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it became the Ouija board murder. Uh, it became a national sensation and a scandal. Um, and it's it's kind of a shame because please hold. Uh-huh. I need like the, the music. <laughs> so Lila and Nancy were portrayed like really terrible. Of course, because they were Native women. Um, mm-hmm. So they were called untamed untamed squaws. Mm. They were called untamed squaws. I don't know what a squaw is, but I'm assuming it's, it's, it's a slur. I, I, I'm just going to say it was a slur. That's why I was like, I feel like it's the Native American equivalent to the N-word. Like, why would they call her that? Like, what? Okay, just just saying anything, just saying anything, or so, or it's like the microaggression of calling like somebody a shaquisha. That's what I was thinking. 
because I was like, it sounds like it could be like a little native sounding, but they they slurred it up. So <laughs> Nancy was portrayed in the media as sinister, withered, and stooped. I was like, again, the crucible is giving is giving like Halloween witch. I, listen, I know what Goody Proctor was doing in the one. She, she was dancing around with me. Dancing around with a demon. So Lila was depicted as flat-chested, toothless, and scraggle-haired. Baby! Now, now, first of all, the minute someone would say something like that about me, we're squaring up. Like, why would you say that about me? Why would you ever call me scraggle hair? Like, what? Did they say she had no teeth? Like, what's up? Listen, scraggle hair. They wanted these women to be ugly so bad. So bad. Now, now just call me everything but the child of God. Like, Jesus. <laughs> when in reality, I feel bad, but I've seen a picture of Miss Marshawn. May she rest in peace. They had I no mean, she wasn't. She, listen, she wasn't. She wasn't being uh painted by Leonardo or Dan. So, okay. Mm -hmm. She wasn't on the cover of Vogue, baby. I was like, girl. Um, so Nancy, which was the older woman, she was actually it said she was pretty robust and round for her age. Like she was actually like a like a thick, imagine a thick woman. Um mm -hmm. and Lila was rather attractive and slim. So they tried to make them seem like some ugly barbaric uncivilized women and it said in their description that they actually blended in with the people in the town like they didn't really stand out as distinctively like native looking and, and that's the and and this is the whole thing that gets me is that like i need to look up what that is the monstrification of like people of color that perpetrate crime Mm -hmm. or believe to perpetrate crime because everything that they're doing is trying to dehumanize them it's trying to basically make you the reader or you the witness see them as the worst possible on the other end of the spectrum when in fact many people that can if they commit crime are in the middle somewhere it's like they're pretty normal that's how they're able to get through life <laughs> Like, if they looked like, if she looked like a stupid witch and she looked like a scraggly-haired toothless, they wouldn't be blending in with regular, like, the average Joe. They would definitely stand out. Um, but they kind of tried to make them sound real witch-like. Uh, so here, here's the part that made me cackle out loud and go, wow, really? Of course, Henri was painted as the victim, the widower who was, and I quote, never aware of the fierce aboriginal passions he had aroused. Okay. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know he was getting these native women, these aboriginal juices flowing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sir, sir. I was like, Jail. and if you see Henri, you'd be like, girl, you just, you better think. Hang it up. Hang it up. Because he was like, tired. he looked older. He was not really that cute. Sorry. We're not buying it what you're selling, brother. May he also rest in peace, but uh... <laughs> So, during an interview, 
uh, Lila told reporters the affair began in 1922 during a car ride. So apparently they were saying like native women liked car rides. I don't know what that's about, but they really like car rides. So their affair began in 1922 during an automobile ride and they had many more rides to follow. I bet they did. Um, so, something is telling me like, and it could be wrong. I would have to probably look up the historical part of that, but something is telling me that it probably has something to do with reservations, probably not having many cars. The people of reservations probably not having many cars. That's like you having access to something you've never had access to. Of course, it's exciting. If I'm right, like, right. like I'd be like, beep, beep, move over, please. Like drive a little quicker if you if you could. Like and also imagine growing up poor. Like if you just grew up poor and then you're experiencing something that you don't experience in your poor life. Exactly. So we're talking about like if I'm if I'm on horseback for my whole life and you come in a motor vehicle, of course I'm gonna be like, let me ride. This looks fun. Like so one of the reporters said Marshawn enjoyed playing a caveman lover to a primitive Indian girl. No, <laughs> and it keeps getting worse. Like <laughs> like now first she straggled to now. Now I'm just call her a primitive beast. Just the, the, the racism. The over-sexualizing of colored people is ridiculous. But they wanted to paint him like... And he was a white man, right? Like, that, 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 that'd be the thing that be getting me, is that these white people really, really, really be out here thinking people is, like, capping for them. And it's just like, bruh. The worst thing to ever happen, though, to the world was the was the movie Pocahontas, the animated movie, because we really you really had people believing that that Pocahontas would really pick John Smith over the man that she had on, on the land. Get, get out of here! Get out of here with that bullshit. And the fact that Pocahontas was like fifteen or something like this, she was not a full grown woman. Child. I'm gonna let y'all write y'all history, child. Child, because they had to write it. They had to write it. <laughs> so the prosecutor pressed ahead against Nancy and uh Lila. Um he actually sped the case to trial as as usual when it's a person of color, they're gonna speed up the trial. Um he sped it up so fast that advocacy groups feared illegal lynching. Um, jury selection actually began 17 days after the murder. So they were, this prosecutor was like, this is open and shut. We got to get this case to trial. Let's get it. Let's go. So it only took 17 days um, to, to get the jury selected. So Nancy testified that she was compelled by supernatural forces she tried to kill Clotilde with hexes, but she finally resorted to a hammer and chloroform. Mm. Like she was already, you know, she was already probably dying, and the chloroform was the was the thing that sealed the sealed the deal. So the let's see, there were actually two trials. In the first one, 
the feature trial attraction because this this garnered like national attention like it was all over it was a big scandal you know of course the primitive native girl and the the frenchman um so i'm oui, re- oui. listen and we, we <laughs> they both were woof. so Henri admitted that lila was one of his many lovers he said too many to count Oh, he was really. He said, "I have the riz, okay, the riz of all riz. I get, I get the bitches." So he said, including a number of native women. Wait, he said this on the stand. Yeah, he said, "I just want this to go on the record, motherfucker. I get the bitches." I'm laughing because this has to be a joke. Because imagine. Just say to the court, make sure you write this down, stenographer. I get the bitches. Let the record reflect. I've got holes in different area codes. <laughs> what? Ask about me. No shame. No shame. No. And I know the judge probably just like, bro, I don't get fucking paid enough for this shit. Like, sir, you you had a, a multiple affairs on your now dead wife. So he said it was a professional necessity to seduce Indian women because it made them more willing to pose naked for his diorama modeling. And that his wife consented to his free love lifestyle. Whatever you want to say. I'm tired. <laughs> Whatever you want to say, you're, you're you're speaking for a dead you're speaking for a dead woman right now. So we'll take that with a grain of salt. Okay. I was just like, okay, if that's what you want us to believe, sure, buddy. Um. So hold on a second. Yeah. So they had two trials. So. Not long after he said all that, the prosecutor called Lila filthy. Uh, she, uh-huh. she actually suffered a flare-up of a respiratory con- condition leading the judge to dis- declare a mistrial. So she, whatever was going on with her respiratory system, he declared a mistrial. Uh, I wonder I wonder if they feared that she might have um, uh, what is it called? What's that thing called? Oh my god, tuberculosis. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe it didn't say. Maybe that's what they fear because you know, like you sneeze one too many times around certain mother, you cough way too many times around certain motherfuckers. They still think you got to get. I mean, <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't be hard pressed to say that they probably thought she was diseased simply because of her native ancestry, like, like well, her native identity that's what i was they always trying to put something on somebody but Mm -hmm. uh, so okay so actually she pled guilty to second degree murder from her hospital bed but she ended up retracting that soon afterwards so her lawyer who was actually acclaimed lawyer Clarence Darrow which I totally forget what he did but he he is somebody like I um that name is very familiar Clarence Darrow D-A-R-R-O-W if you want to look it up wait what's his name Clarence what 
Darrow. D A R R O W, like sparrow with a with a D. Oh, uh, okay, hold up. Okay, you can continue. I'll just let you. He was brought in to help make sure Lila got a fair trial, but he ended up not taking the case. Um. So her her lawyer, because they had they had the first trial and then a year. Oh later- my god! Oh, it's so crazy! Oh my god! He's involved with my case. I have um that I have next week. Oh my god! Okay, guy. he's the guy. I mean, he must have been the go to man. Um. So basically, he was called a sophisticated country lawyer. Uh, and basically, he was known, uh, he got um, my people all for, like, well, away from the death penalty. He, he took pretty much big ca- cases. Like, he, he took pretty big cases at the time. He was basically like the, probably the Johnny Cochran of his, of his era. I was thinking it because I'm like, I know this name, but I just didn't take the time to look him up. But now we know and we'll be hearing about him again. So, yeah, he ended up not taking the case. Um, But at that second trial, Lila's lawyer testified that she was foolishly in love with Henri, but was not a participant in the murder. She actually implicated Henri, saying he told her he was, quote, tired of Clotilde. Mm. So... And I feel like that was interesting because on this stand, he made a mention to let people know that that his wife was okay with his affairs, which mm-hmm. means he's creating a semblance of why would I kill my wife when my wife was okay with me fucking other women? Because she loved our free love, freaky lifestyle. We had another marriage, but she didn't Child, really just did. <laughs> Right. It was, it, it was open on my end. The barn door was always open on my end. That door was swinging, Joe. Swinging. That thing was off the hinges again. <laughs> Listen. Nasty ass, man. Poor Cotill. She didn't deserve none of this. So, Lila. Rolling in her grave as we see. Rolling. Rolling. In her unmarked grave, unfortunately. Oh. So, Lila was acquitted and freed. Nancy was released after pleading guilty to manslaughter and accepting a sentence of time served. Okay. Um, by the time of the second trial, Marshawn had moved to Albany. <laughs> and get this, he married his dead wife's 18-year-old niece. Jail. Electric chair. Electric chair. Electric chair, please. This man must be neutered and stopped. How old was he? Um, I don't know. He was older when when she died. Like so, he a nasty man. He was a nasty man. Jail. Eighteen. I think his older sons were older than eighteen. So I was like the electric chair. So he married his dead wife's eighteen year old niece. He was never prosecuted, and he died in nineteen fifty one. So, you know, Lila moved on with her life. She married a local man and lived a long life in Perrysburg, New York, near her, her old reservation, and she died in 1972. Okay, listen. Okay, that's a life. Okay. 
Now, we don't know what happened to Nancy. I mean, she was already 68 at the time of this case, so I'm assuming she probably passed not too long after that, after losing her husband, killing this lady. She she was going through it. But unfortunately, nobody ended up serving time. Um, and Clotilde Marchand's paintings were exhibited only once because, again, we forget Clotilde was a she was a painter herself. Like, she was an artist herself. Um, they were her paintings were exhibited only once in a 1930 memorial tribute. According to her daughter, Henriette, she was a true artist who never had a chance. So I, was- I just, okay, so this is this is my thought process entirely. The husband did it. So I'm going to just put a pin in that and just say what the T is. I think he set it up. Yeah, I, I do. Like I don't believe I don't believe he isn't like he's not innocent. <laughs> I he definitely isn't. I think he like put little things in her ear of like, oh, maybe we, we can be together if she just we, wasn't in the picture. Or he did it to or or they talked about it. She like she never did it. So he did it and was just like, oh well, like if she get caught up in the mess, it's fine for me because is what it is but then how do you explain nancy getting involved they had to have a fall guy yeah that's true that's true it might yeah it's it's possible that it was just a it was a scheme between the two of them but the fact of the matter is is that the, the the victim above all else was definitely the wife but the victims like because we already know what this meant for the people of the reservation mm-hmm. that this meant further persecution that this meant further like defamatory like things to them and that's not any fault of their own people commit crime but it was the fact that the way that they just described them and it further pushed this n- narrative and stereotype against them and it's crazy child this is thick (laughs) sickening i just i feel like we've heard this tale time and time again of of a obsessed lover or whatever however they wanted to paint them but i I blame Henri. i think he's at fault for everything yeah like he's at fault he's at fault for just being the scum of the earth And, and if even if not involved in the murder he's not sad his wife died no, because he's probably gonna get some other native women. Like he's not not happy that his wife died. Because I feel like he wasn't going to leave her because it was like a a, a potential that this is this is what also is just making me believe the chances of that that um he killed her or involved with the killing because of fi- probably some financial benefit. Maybe, honey. But you know, nowadays it would have took nothing. They would put somebody on that case, and baby, it would have got solved. That man, that husband would have got would have got got. I just, I feel bad for the children, and for. I wonder what their relationship with their father was after that. After everything came out, how much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? He probably shipped them off to boarding school. Child, because they made mention of Henri only, uh, Henriette. 
Henriette. Um, but she just mentioned her mother, so Henri definitely he probably did skedaddle and went to a boarding school because I can't see Henri like taking the time out because they did mention like you know she was involved with her children and she made sure to take care of them and stuff like that. So she's gone. He probably just went whatever. I'm over here with my native women like. And that's what is another thing is that really troubles me is that this is something that is very, it's so dangerous because he's talking about these Native women as if he's procuring prostitutes. Yes, like they're just some, like they're like a possession or like, oh, I'm collecting statue, like figure, like figure. Or, like, or scratching this fetish that he, that, that he has, like clearly clearly bruh like you clearly have to you have something that is desirable like these women are not these girls and women are not with you for the for the sake of a of a nice time they're not with you for the looks either because the looks was the looks was on zero i think it was probably just like oh this man he's like you know, not to say that these women were, were stupid by any means, but they probably, like you said, they were from a lower socioeconomic status. Like, he's this French guy who, you know, has some sort of status. And they, you know, he probably made them feel important or valuable and in a society that didn't make them feel that way. And he, I think he really took advantage of that and the power dynamic that he possessed as a white man in America at the time. Yes. Yep, and honestly, I just really will just never get get over this. Like, Your Honor, for the record, I was getting bitches. Like, what? Like, like, where do you even insert that into the conversation of your wife? This woman murders your wife. Like, just so you know, <laughs> like, I got hoes. Oh, I would have loved reported somewhere. Like. And you know he had a French accent because they immigrated from from uh, overseas. So. so he probably was like, sir, I get, the, I get the draw. I just... I was turning petty coastal side, baby. Oh my god. I am disgusted. I really hope, I really hope he is crip walking in hell because why did he say that? He's sizzling down there like some Canadian bacon. I don't know. Baby, they is turning him like rotisserie chicken, okay, from Walmart. Listen. So. All right. uh, uh, Before we go, I wanted to mention, because we're recording this on 9-11, um to all those that have lost their lives and loved ones um on this date 22 years ago um sending love and blessings to you and you know i know this is a tough time of the year it's a tough time for everybody i remember where i was on this date i was in my first grade class and i had to get taken home please stop (laughs) i was a baby yes girl um and, and you know what was crazy like the month before that 9-11 had happened Aaliyah died in the plane crash mm-hmm. and so it was like plane after plane it was a little too much for my little brain to ha- like to, to 
configure. And so like, it was just so sad. And I remember my grandma, she came to pick me up. And then like the next day we were back in school and there were like the following week, they had put all these yellow ribbons, like every classroom had yellow ribbons. That's crazy you remember that from first grade i was in the sixth grade and the year before that in the fifth grade my school had taken a field trip to see the did we actually see the world trade center we saw we went to the statue of liberty i have a picture on on like on photo like in my photo album of the twin towers because when we were on a ferry i was like oh that looks like a cool building no clue what this oh. building was took a picture of it and then so that was that would have been in 2000 and then however many months later that 9-11 happened so that's crazy yeah. like also there, there's like a side note like of like the fact that I remember like 9-11 was such a vivid memory for me like I I legitimately remember like just the silence like the pure silence like the like they made our room dark and the reason why is because we didn't know this at the time was like that there was like at, like there was one in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and they were just so scared that this was going to happen but the one that had um crashed in Pennsylvania um it basically those people fought for their lives like just yesterday literally somebody had posted um the last voice message that one of the um one of the victims had sent to the family members like you know and like there's different ones that have gone around and it's just a lot like I know that there is a website that like I forget what it's called but um they do different stories from people who've lost family members in the world trade centers um a wrestler oh my god I forgot what her name is a WWE wrestler she her dad died in the World Trade Center and he called and her mom was like the last person to talk to him and it was so it was so crazy um I like I just it's so much that had happened during that time and I just remember just my my grandma was so worried because my uncle Vernon was a firefighter at this time and he he doesn't talk about 9-11 like I think like this day he doesn't talk about 9-11 because so many people he knew like had went up there were injured and things like that so to all those that have lost their lives to the victims their families the people that fought um to save lives to the people that experienced that trauma like just sending you lots of love and light during these times and mm-hmm. you are loved by this podcast of the little podcast that could over here and we wish you well and yeah shout out to this the- will be all for this week huh? yeah. shout out to the first responders just in yes. general, like and the amount of families that lost their loved ones because they were firemen or policemen or rescue team ambulance drivers like a shout out to them because they they saved a lot of lives um some of them are feeling the after effects of 9-11 as far as the mental health wise health physical health wise a lot of them have passed at early ages but i just you know yeah like you said um i know john stewart the uh late night show host uh he he basically fought for the first responders to receive their funds like so they could get care and support because they were literally trying to take away their money like that was taking care of them for their like to get like their health needs these people were suffering they were like on on um 
taking getting air and because their lungs were just so jacked up from just that dust they had psychological issues that have surpassed that like like the things that are still being fought for from that time in modern times and also it, on the aside to that I, ca I cannot leave this without mentioning the people that suffered due to the racism that passed down from mm -hmm. these events I I I cannot go without saying that that there were other casualties to this to this event that is just I mean unimaginable just unimaginable numbers and again sending you love and light and support um from over here at crime at the family table anything else Melissa no, you that last one you definitely covered. I forgot about the amount of mosques that were under attack at that time. That I remember. Um, the Sikhs, like, oh my God, the Sikh community was like so under attack because of the turban. We just like, they were just like, we didn't do anything. And I remember being a kid not knowing the difference at all. Um, uh -huh. But now, of course, I'm an adult, so I do understand there is a difference. Uh, my mom tried to explain right. it the best she could, but I was 11. What did I know? But I do, yeah, I, I second everything you said, and we hope that if you are struggling today, if you are grieving today, big hugs from us. Um, check on your friends. Check on your loved ones. Give each other big hugs today because it, it definitely can be a rough one for a lot of us. But that's all I got. All right. Bye. Bye. See y'all later. <laughs>